probably go off on that question for the next like two days. I'm just saying because there's a lot to it to that one. And I'm, again, I'm more I lean toward yes, but I don't know for sure. C.S. Lewis, okay, story time. C.S. Lewis and the problem of pain actually dealt with okay, what about like mosquitoes? You know, do they go to heaven? And he's like, well, to them, heaven might be like a hell to us. So, in theory, um, yeah, <laughs> why not? So, I don't know. That's the thing. There's been a lot of discussion about it. I would lean, again, lean toward yes, that's okay. But at the same time, I'm not going to be, this is necessary for you to, for salvation. It's not one of those things. Um, so, if you have a dissenting argument against that, I am fine with that. So, all right, with that... Let's turn to Isaiah. And we are in chapter 5 of Isaiah. No, 3, sorry. Jumping ahead. Um, Chapter 3 of Isaiah, we're starting on verses 16, and then we're going to go through the end of the chapter to the beginning of verse uh, chapter 4. All right, and thus far in Isaiah, we keep on being told repeatedly again and again, okay, don't trust yourselves, don't trust in these things, trust in God, trust in God. Um, Today we're going to look at it from another perspective, one which in my mind does actually affect us here today. So we're going to start with verses 16 and 17. The Lord said, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks, glancing wantonly with their eyes, mincing along as they go, tinkling with their feet. Therefore, the Lord will strike with a scab the heads of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will lay bare their secret parts. So Isaiah continues with a somewhat literal and figurative example. Literal in the sense that it is based upon likely real women at the time. Figurative as in the women whom he is using as an illustration represent all of people, if not all of humanity. We notice that the daughters of Zion are haughty. Their haughtiness is seen in the way they represent themselves. They set themselves up to look as attractive as possible. Their eyes show what is on their mind as they walk with their sultry appearance. They are being sensual in all of their ways, trusting in their outward appearance above all. The result of such an attitude is that God will take away even their earthen beauty. In the ancient times, and even in some cultures today, a woman's hair was considered her pride. God, however, will cause a scab, indicating this baldness. Likewise, God will lay bare their secret parts, represents just that. They will be disgraced. Those who had held so deeply onto their feminine appeal will, in the end, find themselves reflecting on their inner selves on the outside. Now we come to 18 through 23, and as a pause, if you notice, it's not quite the same way with these verses. That's because it's prose, it's not poetry, um, so I wanted to establish that. The, other, the rest of this will be in poetry. In the day the Lord will take away the finery of the anklets, the headbands and the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets and the scarves, the headdresses, the armlets, the sashes, the perfume boxes and the amulets, the signet rings and nose rings, the festal robes, the mantles, the cloaks and the handbags, the mirrors, the linen garments, the turbans and the veils. So we notice how the poetry turns to prose, as I said with this verse. I know, it's exciting. Immediately we learn that God will take away those things which the women were relying on for their beauty. 
The anklets, which some scholars note would help their sultry walk. Their headbands could represent the sun, while the crescent moon rep- uh, the crescents represent the moon. If this is the case, they are seeking to amplify their own appearances with the appearance of the heavenly bodies. Um, it further goes, however, with the pendants, the bracelets, the scarves. All of these things which the women were wearing were meant to show their wealth and enhance their beauty. It continues with the headdresses, the armlets, the sashes, the perfume boxes, and the, uh, the amulets. Again... All manners of jewelry and clothing meant to augment physical beauty in order to grab others' attention for themselves. The signet rings, the nose rings, the feastal robes, the mantles, the cloaks, the handbags, the mirrors, the linen garments, the turbans, and the veils. All of these things God will take away because the women are placing all of their pride in them. They are seeking to focus only on the sensual and how they are being perceived rather than dealing with the actual problems of the heart. So now we come to the end of the chapter and into the uh, fourth chapter. Instead of perfume, there will be rottenness, and instead of a belt, a rope, and instead of well-set hair, baldness, and instead of a rich robe, a skirt of sackcloth, and branding instead of beauty. Your men shall fall by the sword, and your mighty men in battle, and her gates shall lament and mourn. Empty she shall sit on a, she shall sit on the ground. And seven women shall take hold of one man in that day, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our reproach. So not only will these earthen blessings be taken away, they will also be replaced. The perfume, which was meant to be sweet to smell, will be replaced by what is rotten. Um, The belt, which was meant for the waist, will be replaced by a rope of bondage. Their graceful hair, woman's pride again, will be taken away and the women will be left with baldness. Instead of a rich robe for lounging and to amplify the body, there will be a skirt of sackcloth, cheap clothing often worn in mourning. Finally, there will be branding instead of beauty. All of these things represent women who are either captured after battle or those who are left after a war has been lost. Indeed, we see this as the men will fall by the sword, the mighty men in the battle, though they had previously held on to the hopes of these men as protectors and being there for them. In the end, they are merely a breath of air. All of their security, from their riches to their clothing and ornaments, from their mighty men, are taken away, and as the result is, it's a sorrowful thing. We notice the slight shift with the prophet as he says, Her gate shall lament and mourn. Empty, she shall, she shall sit on the ground. Some scholars note that the daughters of Zion, they represent the children, where here it represents the mother, uh, Zion itself. Just as the mother had been foolish in trusting in other things other than God, so do her daughters trust in self rather than God. The result is the same for both. As both are left without, all they have come to trust and hold dear is gone. What happens um, when men go off to battle and lose? There comes a major discrepancy between men and women. Um, during the World War I and World War II, for example, I think a million men died in Brit- from Britain and a million from France and Germany in, in the course of World War I, anyway. Um, so think about how many women are left then and how many men are left. As a result, though, the prophet declares that at the time, one man will have seven women come to him in order for them to find a husband. Um, whereas once they relied heavily on their flirtation and sensual appeal in order to gain, now they will even provide for themselves if only to find a husband. We also notice how the way that it said, um, for one, and seven women shall take hold of one man that day, and it reflects back onto the men. 
when they lost leadership, they said, um, men will take hold of another man who has a cloak and say, here, be the leader of this ruin. So we see both sides of the equation here. All right. So the main point, the main point of these verses are to remind us of the folly of trusting in self rather than God. Using the example of the haughty women of the time, the prophet shows that in time, such reliance upon physical means will only lead to ruin. The women of the time relying on their looks and their sensuality will find it all turned to nothing. And when it does, they will lose everything. So it is with all humanity who turns to self rather than to God. As such, lifestyles lead to disgrace rather than glory. All right. So these verses we looked at today flow well with the previous sentiment and what we've seen in all of Isaiah so far. We are told repeatedly by the prophet that there is only folly in turning toward anything other than God. To trust in anything for our security which is not God will only lead to destruction. Now, before we reflect more on this, there are two things to consider. The first is the same as what we saw in chapter 1. There the prophet critiqued the people for their false spiritualism, for their making empty, the great things of their religion. Um, Here we see a similar critique. But we want to be cautious because just as with chapter 1, it isn't the religion itself that is the issue as it is the people. So it is the same here. That is, can women enjoy the things we find in today's text? Can they enjoy dresses and ornaments? I mean, I think the answer is yes. They can enjoy these things. The problem isn't with the things presented as it is what they're doing with them. Instead of trusting and putting their assurances in God, the women are putting their assurances in themselves, their looks, their possessions. There's quite a difference between the wife who wants to look nice on a date with her husband and the woman who finds her only comfort and security in her appearance. There's a difference between the woman who fears God and enjoys looking nice and having nice things and the woman who doesn't fear God and places all of her trust and hopes in those things, is my point. So we want to be cautious about what the prophet is saying here. Like with what we have seen in the past, how individuals were misplacing their trust, so it is the case here. But as we know, material objects are morally neutral until they are in the hands of a moral agent. The things in today's text are not bad in their own right, but they can be utilized in negative and self-damaging ways. So that said, it seems wise to now discuss the particular issue which is being criticized before we can discuss how it affects all of us. Isaiah, like many of the prophets, find inspiration in the things around them. Um, they are able to see a problem and see how that problem is a symptom of a greater illness. The symptom needs to be looked at before we can get to the illness. So what is the symptom? Well, as we've discussed already, it is women who place their faith and their trust in themselves and in things which will further enhance them personally. It is women who are trusting in their looks and the possessions which further emphasize their looks rather than trust in God. It is the women of the city who are casting aside God and putting on fancy clothes instead. Unfortunately, this kind of lifestyle is still very commonplace even today. Many women who we would call trendy or those who have high popular status in our society sound very similar to the women we find in today's text. Um, Recently, for example, Carissa was watching a documentary about Taylor Swift on Netflix. And as I overheard it, I was not watching it. I was just listening. I'm not interested. I'm just not. Um, Anyway, 
as I overheard it, I couldn't help but feel sorry for Taylor Swift because she seems to struggle with her own personal identity. Um, she's finding security in herself and her popularity rather than, let's say, God. And it shows in her discomfort and her worry that you kind of overhear throughout the whole thing. As it is, she is a well-known and talented woman who relies far too much on herself to get by. But it isn't just her either. I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to quote a popular song by Ariana Grande. I know. I'm not excited either. I'm going to have to censor it too. That's even more fun. Um, but the lyrics are as follows. And this is in the um, music, I guess, of Sound of Music. Um, breakfast. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway. All right. So anyway, yeah, breakfast at Tiffany's. I'm not going to sing it that way. Yeah, breakfast at Tiffany's and bottle of bubbles. Girls with tattoos who like getting in trouble. Lashes and diamonds. ATM machines. Buy myself all of my favorite things. Been through some bad bleep. I should be a sad bleep. Who would have thought it'd turn me to a savage? Rather be tied up with calls and not strings. Write my own checks like I write what I sing. My wrist stop watching. My neck is flossing. Make big deposits. My gloss is popping. You like my hair? Gee, thanks. Just bought it. I see it. I like it. I want it. I got it. Wearing a ring, but ain't got no to got gonna be no misses. Bought matching diamonds for six of my bleeper. I'd rather spoil all my friends with my riches. Think retail therapy my new addiction. Whoever said money can't solve your problems must not have had enough money to solve them. They say, which one? I say, nah, I want them all. Happiness is the same price as red bottoms. My smile is beaming. My skin is gleaming. The way it shines, you know you've seen it. I bought a crib for just the closet. Both his and hers, I wanted, I got it. All right, all right. I know Mike is like, stop. I know you were. Still, consider this, right? This song has hit number one on the Billboard Top 100. In fact, it has hit number one on a lot of just different charts all around the world. Admittedly, it's actually quite catchy. I'm not going to lie. It's catchy. But consider the lyrics for a moment. You could almost replace the lyrics with what we find in Isaiah. The only difference is the song relishes the things, trusting in them, in herself, rather than anything else. There is no call to trust in something other than the fast cash and the things that make you feel good and look good. Now consider all the women who are placing their trust in such things. There are so many women being influenced by this that it is somewhat heartbreaking They're being encouraged to trust in their material objects rather than the God of the universe. And most people just accept it. Still, we could critique the world all day long. We know we can. But that isn't enough. We must provide an alternative to the world's understanding. It's necessary for us to say no. But it's also necessary for us to say this instead. So what is the response to women who are feeling this way? What should we offer in response to the concept of trusting yourself, your looks, and your material possessions in order to save you and give you peace? The answer is God. The answer is that the very things which they are craving, they are going to eventually turn to dust. Instead of seeking that which will make your body look good, seek that which will make it last forever. Because hear me out, ladies. The beauty of youth does fade. But there is something which does not. 
There are things which you can attain which will become far more beautiful with age. What are these things which grow more beautiful with age? How can you attain them? The answer is found when we read the following. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Galatians five twenty-two through 25 Here it is. The secret to unending beauty is not found in the woman who has no wrinkles on her face. The secret to unending beauty is a virtuous character. For there is nothing more beautiful than a woman who walks with God. To have physical beauty without God is to have something which is truly passing. But if you abide in Christ, if you walk in his spirit, then you have that which is unending. For these things will continue forever because the spirit of God is forever. It is not the woman who is physically ageless, so to speak, who has the wise at her beck and call. No, it is the woman of God who has the wise sit at her feet. It is the woman of God who has a firm foundation of more than what is passing, but instead finds her assurance in what is lasting. I know, that's a great line, isn't it? Again, this doesn't mean that a woman who wants to look at herself and see something beautiful can enjoy the physical beauty, or the expression of a wife who wants to get all fancy, you know? For a date with her husband. No, thank goodness that you want to do that, ladies. I I approve of it. Do it. Have fun. That's not what this is about. This is about the way the world is trying to convince you that you are in need of something else for your security. And I'm here to tell you it's not true. You only need Christ. It is in Him you will find your heart's desires because in Him you will find the depth of what true beauty looks like. It looks like redemption. It looks like salvation. It looks like wisdom. It looks like virtue. And it looks never-ending. Now as it is, this is all again really just a symptom of a greater problem with humanity. While it may be true we can focus on the symptom and try to expunge it from existence, we also need to realize that it isn't just women who deal with these kinds of temptations. No, we all have our own symptoms of the great illness known as sin. Sin is always there encouraging us to be as bad as we can be, telling us we are far more capable on our own than with God. This is the illness which we all must seek a remedy for. Because if we are to be honest with ourselves, we all know we think we're entirely capable of our, on our own. But the truth is, we're not capable on our own. On our own, we write songs about diamonds and pop in, you know, lip gloss. No, on our own, we are more than willing to take the blessings God gives us and turn them into gods themselves, things we worship rather than appreciate, things we can glorify God with, but instead we seek to glorify ourselves with. If we have learned anything from Isaiah thus far, it is that trusting in any other source rather than God will lead to our ultimate destruction. It will lead to disgrace. It will lead to falling into the pit and finding no way out of that pit. Since the the beginning, this has been our greatest temptation, to be God. The sooner we come to realize we are incapable of being God, the better off we will be. The sooner we come to see that there, 
things God has given us in this life are for his glory, not our own, the better the world will be. But this requires us to find our peace, our comfort, our assurance in no other source than the name of God. For everything else is fleeting. All else will come to nothing. God, however, does not come to nothing. God lasts forever. And those who place their faith in Christ last forever. It is in him we place our trust. And if we do, we will find the greatest peace. Where this world offers us peace, the truth is, it is nothing more than death with a mask of life. But true life will only be found if we lose our lives and give ourselves over to Christ entirely. Any other attempt of life apart from Christ leads only to death. So what is the encouragement I leave with you? The encouragement is to trust not man, not woman, but God. The encouragement is to rely not on yourself for your worth or self for your assurance, but God. To desire what is beautiful and good by seeking obedience to God above all other things. To trust no other than our mighty God. And naturally, this leads to the gospel. Um, And the gospel, you know, again... I think it's beautiful when my wife wants to get all gussied up when we go out on our date once a year. <laughs> That's not even right. Uh, she's not here today. Huh? Anyway, no. Um, serious. We're serious now. Stop. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I think it's wonderful because we're created in God's image. And it's, it's a good thing to seek beauty. You're allowed to seek beauty. It's fine. That's a good thing. Right? And we are all created in God's image. And that's a good thing. And, you know, I need to step up as a husband and take my wife out on more dates. I know that. Because she has dignity and she has worth to her life. Far more than just the beauty. Far more than just the physical appearance. She herself is made in the image of God. She is a daughter of God. And I have a very high calling to be her husband. And she a high calling to be my wife. To be image, image bearers of God is a high thing. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But the problem is, is the fall. The problem is that sin likes to override us. It likes to say, okay, take that which is good and then put it even higher than it needs to be. That's what sin does every single time. And it causes us to lie, to cheat, to steal, to hurt one another, to hurt ourselves, to do self-damaging things instead of trusting in the God who saves. Story time. So Libby this last week, we had a chat. I don't remember what started this conversation, um, but we were talking before bed, and she says, Dad, it's hard. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, she's like, well, for the last two days, I haven't stolen anything. <laughs> and I'm like looking at her like, well, first of all, when do you get a chance to steal things? And I'm like, oh, she means, she considers it, she considers it stealing when she takes candy from the cupboard. That's what it means. And she's like, it's just so hard to stop doing things when you've done them for a long time. <laughs> and then so like I got into a conversation about, you know, <laughs> addiction. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and how, but it's in Christ that we're able to find our redemption. Anyway, so the point is that that's how it is. That's how it is. We, we, we take that which is good and then we abuse it because we're sinners. And now the question is, what can redeem us? Well, you can't redeem ourselves. We're the sinners. You can't stop something from doing what is naturally inclined to do. 
but God can. And he has through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's through Christ that we find redemption. It is through Christ that we're able to find, finally, that peace and that solace that we have never been able to find on our own. And it's in him that we're able to see all the good things that God has given us and see them as that, gifts from God. And we can glorify God in them instead of taking them and lifting them up even higher than they deserve to be. It's because of Jesus we're able to do that. It's because of Jesus Jesus, we can see what beauty is. And understand it completely in its right context. You see, the redemption of Christ covers all things that we break. And we break a lot of things. And you know what? Redemption comes upon husbands and wives. You know? Comes upon husbands and wives. For husbands to love their wives well. And wives... To love your husbands. That's because of Jesus. Because we understand it from his perspective and what we're supposed to understand it as. So, where's it all leading? It leads to glory. It leads to good things in this world starting here and now. But then also to glory in the future where we'll be able to see it fully. So, be encouraged by the gospel that we're seeing even in Isaiah. Be encouraged over the fact that God does not like certain things and be encouraged by the fact that that's a good thing, that God doesn't like these things. Because that means that they're self-destructive. And if we can learn how to not do those things, and if we can learn to put our trust in Christ, it'll be good. And it'll be beautiful. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you have done through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much uh, for the prophet Isaiah, who you called to talk to a particular people about particular things, and how even now, thousands of years later, we can read over what the prophet is saying and say, yes, we understand this, because your spirit is with us, and you are guiding us to know and to understand that it is you, you are the goal, nothing else. So, Lord, we ask that you would give us hearts and minds to follow after you and all the things that we have been gifted with. And we ask, Lord, that you would remind us that they are merely the gifts of an even greater gift, which is your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please rise as we sing our final hymn.